Welcome to the Digital From Day One podcast. Our aim is to build a bridge by creating content that will pique interest, spark conversation, and encourage further innovation that will ultimately build a more informed and prepared pipeline of learners headed for the 21st century workforce. Hi, my name is Brendan Dickerson, and joining me as always is Joelle Nelson. Today, you'll be listening to a discussion with Tech Corp's National Executive Director, Lisa Chambers. Lisa, thanks so much for taking time to speak with us today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, let's, let's just get right into it. That's what we like you like what we like to do with our guests. Can you give us just a little backdrop of your career and kind of you know what propelled your interest in technology? Oh, um, well, a group of fourth graders. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm I'm a, not a not a computer scientist. Uh, what I am is extremely um, passionate about connecting people to access and opportunities. Um, and I was working for a nonprofit organization in the Wyland Park neighborhood, which is in your backyard over there at Ohio State. Um, and this was the late 90s. Um, and we set up one of the first computer labs in the Wyland Park neighborhood. And we were working with a group of kids from Indianola Middle School. And we bought some educational software and we had access to the internet which was kind of a, still a new thing right at that time and these kids would get out of school and they would run run to get to this computer lab so that they could get online so that they could get on the internet and so that they could engage in this new way and so for a lot of the kids that we worked with in Wyland Park they were bound by the neighborhood right so what the internet allowed them to do was to experience worlds outside of the world that they lived in. And for me, I think that that was the, the light bulb going off, if you will, about how technology could be used to transform lives, especially the lives of young people. So when that um, kind of gig came to an end and I heard about TechCore, which was a new organization just starting up in Ohio, um, it was just like kind of the skies opened and, and something said, this is where I'm supposed to go. So, um, so that now has been 20 years ago, which I cannot believe it's been that long. And so been doing this work ever since. Great. So, um, I mean, 20 years in this, this line of work is, is long, but it's not, right? I mean, it's, there's, you know, a number of students that have been impacted and your growth has been exponential. And so one of the questions we want to know is you taking on this role as the national executive director, uh, can you elaborate on what your role is with the organization and how that relates to other business or technology areas that may encompass your day-to-day -day role? How does the business of the work impact your role and how does technology also impact your role? Sure. So when I joined TechCore in, um, I, I first came on as an assistant director and then um, took on the role of state director. Um, so I just became the national director when we took over the charter in 2011. And TechCore, since it was founded in 1995 by Gary Beach, it certainly has changed. Um, the organization has changed from the way it looked and the things that we were doing, just as the space, as, as technology and education space has changed, right? So when TechCore launched in 1995, it really was to launch, in a lot of ways, for Gary's vision, was a high-tech Peace Corps, where we would recruit technology professionals, and then we would connect them with schools and their community, and those professionals would work on different technology-related projects. 
back in the 90s, that really was about just getting schools connected, right? So we had volunteers in New York City who were wiring school buildings when we were still dropping wire, right? Um, we had Tech Corps volunteers in Georgia who were setting up some of the first computer labs in the state of Georgia in K-12 schools. So, you know, kind of if you fast forward to today, we still do that core work where we're engaging technology talent and we're getting them out in the community and they're giving back um, the difference is now it's usually around a very structured program, and it's around a program that seeks to move kids from being great consumers of technology to becoming creators and designers. So, so we still kind of have our core mission, you know, embedded in the work that we're doing today, but it looks a lot different than Tech Core in 1995 looked. That's great. That's awesome. and now, to, just really as a quick follow-up to, to that question, some information you just gave. Central Ohio chapter took over the charter for the national uh, chapter. Can you give us a little bit of background on, on that and what that means and, and how that has impacted the growth of, of TechCore in general? Sure. So when TechCore, when we first started here in the state of Ohio, we were based here in Columbus, Ohio and Central Ohio, but our charter allowed us to work around the state, which we did um, in, in a variety of ways. So we worked in several different counties around the state of Ohio over the years. And we started, Joel, we started innovating, right? We started developing new programs. Um, and so we had other states who were saying, hey, we really like that, you know, techie club after school program that you created but we were bound by our charter to only do work within the state of Ohio. So that was one thing that was holding us up. But then Gary, who was the founder of TechCore, who was still very involved with the organization, he came to our board in 2010 and said, you know, we see the good work that's happening in Ohio and we want to transfer the national charter to basically the Ohio chapter to take on, um, which would then allow you to begin to expand the work that you've been doing in Ohio outside of your borders. So Joel, for pretty much the next maybe 18 months, my board went into kind of a deep strategy session around, well, what would that mean if we took over the charter? What would we want to do? Because we certainly could hold all the intellectual property and the trademarks and they'd at least be in safekeeping. But my board felt that the work that we were doing in Ohio was extremely impactful and that we wanted kids across the United States to have an opportunity to do that. And so out of that strategy session, we developed kind of two strategies for expansion of the organization. And so one is where we identify a target city or a region. Um, we receive some seed funding. We typically do a pilot of programs for maybe a year or two. And then based on that pilot and, and of course, the funding, um, we will eventually hire a what we now call a regional manager who will be in charge of that region and then who will have full access to our program portfolio. So that's one strategy. And right now we're doing that up in Northeast Ohio, right? The second strategy that we have is that we look for a partner who has a national footprint that is larger than ours. And then together with that partner, we lay a tech core program on their infrastructure, right? So right now we're doing that with a corporation that happens to be headquartered in Northeast Ohio. And every two years, we are expanding our techie camps into cities where they have employees and facilities. And so with that work, we are now operational in eight states. 
um, with those two strategies. And so we continue to push those two strategies. And that now, Joelle, really has become my role is to think about those next territories. Um, so I can tell you right now on our short list is Chicago, Atlanta, Georgia, and then um, probably somewhere in Southern California. And so we are kind of figuring out where we're starting to really gain some traction that we might want to put somebody full-time on the ground. And one thing that really stood out to me was um, we mentioned you know, exposure and expansion. Um, just looking at you know some different stats with you know, tech courts and some different uh, things that you guys are doing you know, around computing and the different uh, programs. Um, we also have a lot of young listeners that are, are tuning in and wanting to you know, learn about you know, this work and um, how others you know, that may be coming up behind them can get involved as well too. So thinking back when you first got into the technology profession or this role within itself, you know, what are some of the different lessons learned that have helped you move forward? Great question. Um, and I wish I had done this more as a kid. Um, really, is to just try stuff, right? To just try stuff, you know, and you may like it, you may not. And either way, it's cool, right? Either way, it's cool. And so now I think, you know, with the kids, for example, that we're working with here in Franklin County, especially the high school kids, because little kids, they're, they're usually willing to try anything. High school kids, we start to get too cool. We start to start to find who we are. And so I often encourage the parents that we work with to, it, it's almost, especially with tech, right? And especially when we think about black and brown students and girls, that I almost want parents to make their kids try computer science in the same way that they say, you're gonna try some vegetables, right? You're gonna try some broccoli. You might not like it, and that's cool if you don't, but at least you're making an informed decision about something you don't like versus just saying, I'm not good at that, or I'm not gonna like that, you know, about coding or app development or AI when you've never even tried it. So I think the thing that I love about the work that we're doing with TechCore is that it gives kids a safe space to try, right? And I had never thought about that until I had a conversation with a young woman who was a Columbus City School student. She was in her junior year of high school and she enrolled in one of our programs that we call Computing Career Core. And it's all about career exploration in IT for, for high school kids. And she came up at the end of the program and realized that she had a passion for computer science, specifically software development, had never taken a technology class in high school. And she said, Miss Lisa, I probably never would have even signed up for a technology class because I didn't know if I would be any good. And I was a straight A student and I wasn't gonna do anything that was gonna jeopardize my GPA. I never thought about it in that way. So her coming into a tech core program, she didn't have that risk. She was given a safe space to try something. And all of a sudden, she now realized that this was something that she really did enjoy. And that young woman went on to major in computer science at college after she graduated, you know? So just try. I mean, I think adults, we, we still need to be in that space to try and try new things because um, you just never know. You never know. And that's, and that's great. And, and that helps us get a better understanding of the foundation that TechCore stands on. I mean, you've talked already a lot about what TechCore does and expansion and so on and so forth. But I mean, if you can just summarize what TechCore's mission is, and more importantly, uh, maybe is the, the team that you have with you to help execute that mission. If you can tell us you know, as much as you want to share who they are, uh, why, why they're, they are there, uh, and how they help to execute that mission. Sure. So I can tell you, uh, 
what drives our work is that we believe all kids, all kids, regardless of gender, regardless of ethnicity or race or zip code, um, should have access to high quality computer science and technology learning experiences. And so that is why we do the work that we do. The way that we, we get there is, is two ways, is that we develop computer science and IT programs for students in third through 12th grade. And those programs operate on a continuum. So they're everything from those like initial awareness programs, which might be a four-hour workshop with a group of Girl Scouts on a Saturday. They move into what we call exploration. And then our most intense programs are what we call immersion. And those are programs um, for high school kids where they're either walking out with college credit or an industry-recognized credential. So we have this portfolio of programs now um, that we really go into communities and figure out where are their gaps, where are their needs, and then deploy those, those programs to, to meet those gaps. So that's the first thing we do. The second thing we do is we recruit, train, and deploy technology talent to implement those programs. And so when we think about talent, there are three groups of folks that we think about. Um, industry volunteers, so folks here locally out of companies like JPMorgan Chase or Nationwide, AAP, IBM, um, who now can take a tech core program out to a school down the street from where they work or where they live. The other group that we do a lot of work with um, when we think about when we think about talent are computer science and engineering undergrad students. So we hire maybe 50 to 70 undergrads every year who join our core and who are trained to go out and teach computer science in the communities in which they attend school or live. And then the final group, when we think about talent, are classroom teachers. And so we are now developing um, curriculum and PD for teachers that help them bring computer science into their classrooms in a way that is rigorous and fun and connected to learning outcomes. So Joelle, you asked me about my team. I will say we are a small but mighty group. Um, so there are full-time year-round, there are only eight of us. And so we are not uh, staff heavy, but what we do have is a lot of passion and a lot of energy. And so our team is a mix of um, folks who are really great at human connections and folks that are really great at computer science and, and engineering concepts. And so bringing that together, um, so we develop all of our programs and content in-house. Um, so all of our systems and all of that our, our wonderful team of developers who do that work for us. And then our, what we call our regional managers are our folks that go out in community and are in charge of kind of just building those relationships and those partnerships to deploy those programs. But the other thing that we have, you know, I'll say, for example, last year, close to 260 folks uh, volunteered with the organization. And so that fuels a lot of the work that we can do as well. Wow, that is amazing, honestly. So another thing we want to you know, touch on, you know, just a little bit as, as well, too. Um, back in March, we all had to go virtual online with you know, the COVID pandemic and, and uh, work, especially, you know, remote work. Um, how is TechCorp responding to the situation, not only here in the summer, but also, you know, in the fall term as well, too, as students are wrapping up, ready to go back to school? Great question. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it all seemed like it came on really quick, right? Summer is actually our busiest time of year. So in some ways, the whole situation couldn't have happened at a better time for us because while we had some programs going on, we weren't in our heavy season. So quickly, we uh, did a couple of things. So we had 
we first made the decision early on before the governor encouraged the shutdown here in the state, we made the decision that we wanted to um, give our employees the opportunity to work at home, wherever they felt the safest, right? Because it's really important to make sure that everybody feels safe and comfortable before they could do their job. So that was something that we, we did early on, instituted early on. And because, and probably like you all, because we work in tech, we had a little bit more grounding, right? It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like some folks were all of a sudden were like, Zoom, what the heck is Zoom? I mean, we had been using Zoom for quite a long time. <laughs> we probably weren't seeing all the challenges we were gonna have with it, but, um, but nevertheless, a lot of these things we already had in play. Um, so we weren't as impacted as some other folks. We also had a great board who really did some good thinking about how we wanted to strategize. And our primary concern was that we had a group of about 100 or so high school kids that were at a halfway point in their program. And this was a program that they had to meet certain benchmarks in order to get the incentives that were baked into the program. So here they were, they had started in January, they were going to May and now we hit March and all of a sudden schools closed and all the high schools that we ran the program in were closed. And so we got together as a team and said, how do we turn what they were doing into a virtual program? And how do we do it quickly? Because this was a program that was very structured. We had a certain amount of time that we could implement. And if we did, if we missed that window, it was just gone. Um, and so within a matter of weeks, we had developed a strategy for how we could change a program that was an in-person program to a virtual program. And by April 1, these kids were back online and they were learning. And I can tell you that a number of them successfully completed the program at the end. We had some hiccups around, you know, we had to do, of course, a capture data around who had devices, who had a connection to the internet, and think about how we could piece part some of that together. But we had great school partners who said, if you are willing to do this, this is something to keep these kids engaged, we'll loan devices. Um, and so this, so again, you all think about what seems so long ago, but in April, schools were still figuring out like, what, you know, what are we going to do? And we have school partners that were willing to say, thinking ahead for these kids to say, yes, let's get them devices, let's check hotspots, let's do what we can. And so, so since that time, but what it did is it gave us in advance of our busy season, which we are now in, which we are almost completely virtual, it gave us great information about things to think through, strategies for what does online engagement. Because as you all know, at OSU, going online with courses is not as easy as flipping a switch. Right? There's a lot of thought that goes into that. I mean, there are people that spend a whole lot of time doing online instruction. And so to have the expectation of schools at the K-12 level or even nonprofit organizations like mine that all of a sudden you could flip the switch and you could make that happen, that just wasn't realistic. Luckily, we had some good folks around our table that could help us think that through in a way that some other organizations did not. And so since that time, since April, we have developed um, four virtual uh, programs. We also recognized early on that not all kids were gonna have equitable access to the, the tools they would need to participate in virtual programming. And so with that, we developed um, what we now call Tech Core Unplugged, which is a way of teaching kids about computer science without the need for computers. And so these are um, wonderful kits, which I wish I had one to show you so you could see it. 
but it is games and activities that kids can do alone or they can do with their siblings or their parents that teaches them about computer science. And we are sending out hundreds of these kits across um, our territories this summer. And the response, so we're teaching kids about algorithms using origami or um, kids are learning about virtual reality. And so, so, so again, I'm just so pleased with my team and my board that thought about the fact that we want to really think about this summer, how do we get to all of our kids? So we have that in play. And so a majority of, you know, again, what we're doing this summer is through virtual programs and then the unplugged kits. And, you know, Brendan, we are planning that fall will look much the same for us. Um, and so we are in development right now of converting some of the after-school programs that we have typically had in play into some virtual experiences for kids, especially thinking about the whole hybrid model that kids will be in, you know, potentially with school where they're in and, and out. And then how can we build something? And I think the other thing that we wanted to do with our programs and, and again, having parents on our team, we were able to think about this, is we wanted to make sure that we were building experiences that were also user-friendly for parents, right? Um, because as you all know, so many parents are doing that double duty of working and also trying to school their children, which is an almost impossible task. And so we didn't want to build a program that said, we'll sign Johnny up, but we're also going to need four hours for mom you know, in order for um, him to participate. And so that was, that was really part of our thinking early on. And I can tell you that the response that we've had back from the parents already whose kids are in techie camp has been extremely positive in terms of the structure works for them. All right, that, that's great. And, and as a, a parent of eight-year-old and 11-year-old, I, uh, <laughs> I appreciate those, those things because it is, it is a, uh, it's been an interesting time to be both dad and teacher and employee all in the same day. <laughs> so, and you talked about how TechCore was able to kind of shift in this, um, you know, I mean, it was a crisis situation, right? I mean, anytime something so dramatic happens uh, in a short period of time without really any warning, that is the definition of a crisis, right? But you and your team have this experience of not only being, you know, working with education institutions and students and teachers and parents, but also with the community and with, with companies and employers and things of that nature. From your perspective, how can we prepare to be better prepared for the next crisis? And, and you know, from the standpoint of organizations like yours, but then also look at it too, from the standpoint of being better preparing our, our young people and our students for kind of being able to stand up and take advantage of opportunities in, in these times. Great question. Um, so I think those of us that are in this computer science field that, that we are uniquely positioned to do just that. Because when we think about computer science, we think about computational thinking, we think about problem solving, we think about creativity and perseverance. And those were all the things that companies and organizations needed to, to move through this, this crisis and to not fall apart. And not everybody made it. Not everybody made it. And not everybody's going to make it. You know, I had a board meeting in April. And one of the conversations that we had were remembering back to the economic crisis of, of 2008. 
and how there were just nonprofit organizations that did not make it to the other side of that and that we were entering that same type of period um, that as things were being pulled back and things that a lot of us have always known but that for some from for this situation were magnified where maybe people who had not thought about it before or had the comfort of not having to think about it now this situation we were in this situation where it was right in your face and so so again i mean joel that's a long answer to your your question but i do think are these are the things we can teach our kids right it's it's problem solving it's creative thinking it's it's perseverance it's computational thinking like those are all all skills that if our kids grow up all to be computer science or none of them, those are skills that are going to be useful to them in their profession, but in their life. And, and I think those are the things that you see people that are pushing through this, that they're able to deploy. Wholeheartedly correct. You know, the information age is here. Innovation age is definitely here. And, you know, according to U.S. Department of Labor, you know, employment in computer and information technology sector is projected to grow 13% from 2016 to 2026. So how... Can we close the gap or, you know, assist with closing the gap uh, for populations that are underserved, black and brown communities, you know, minorities, you know, women? How can we do our part to help these other uh, underserved communities? Um, well, I'm always going to raise the flag for our littlest kids, right? Because that, you know, research shows us that fourth grade is the first link in our pipeline, so to speak, around technology, especially for girls and African-American and Hispanic students. So even if those kids go to our in-school in a district where at high school they have a great computer science program, the likelihood that those programs are going to be diverse and reflective of the district is extremely low if they have not been working with those kids since they've been in elementary school. And um, a few years ago, Google re released a, a white paper on um, some research that they had done about women who persevered in computer science. And Brenda, one of the things that I was most excited about is that the controllable factors were all things that we could do, were all things that we could do. And it wasn't going to take millions of dollars or, you know, huge political agenda. It was things like, um, I think the top four factors, and I'll see if I can pull these out of my, off top of my head, but it was uh, social encouragement. And so the encouragement that kids get from either a parent, a peer, or a teacher the other was around career perception. So understanding about these technology careers, right? And, and how vast they are. The third was academic exposure. And one of the cool things that I was excited to read about in this research was that academic exposure didn't necessarily have to happen in a formal institution. It could happen in an after-school program, in a summer camp. And then the final thing was um, self-perception. Did kids, did these women see themselves as technologists, as computer science? Those are all things that we can do for kids today. Those are all things that every school, every teacher, every professional, right? Every mom and dad could start doing for their kids today. And I think if we were intentional about that, Brendan, the skills gap that we're talking about would not have to be our reality because we would be pulling from the the whole pond and not just the part of it, which is what we're doing right now. Um, you know, part of the challenge that we have is that we're looking at a very small part of our population to try to fill all these jobs. And that's just not gonna happen. So it's important for businesses to make those early investments if they want to stay viable into, into the future. Great. Um, 
thank you for your time. I mean, really uh, wonderful conversation and, and wonderful insight from you and what TechCore is doing, not only here in Central Ohio, but the state of Ohio and, and now nationwide. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Digital From Day One podcast. Make sure you visit our website at go.osu.edu forward slash digital day one, the number one, where you can find out how to subscribe, more information about our guests, and more information about our team. As always, we love to know what you think. Use the feedback form on the website, or you can shoot us an email at digitalfromday1 at osu.edu. The one is actually spelled out here. Or simply give us a rating on iTunes. And we'd appreciate if you tell your friends about our little show here too. As always, I'm Joel and that's Brendan. Let's continue to make the connections to opportunity stronger. Until next time, everybody.